Hello and welcome to Reality Blows. My name is Nick Maritato. I'm Ashley Burke Robert. This is a podcast all about reality television. That it is, Nick. Ashley Brooke Roberts. What we do <laughs> is we watch a whole bunch of reality trash so you don't have to. Unless you want to. Yeah. And you you'll you'll probably want to because you're list you've you're, you've gone out of your way to find a podcast of people talking about reality TV. You must have an interest in it. And if you don't, hey, stay. Enjoy. Yeah, listen to the reality of our lives. Um, folks, it is a gorgeous Saturday. Is that what you would describe yeah, today as? Hell yeah. On a bunch of we had a bunch of weeks of weird snow and, and that dreaded wintry mix, whatever that is. Yeah. And uh yesterday was almost what, sixty degrees. Today was uh, <sighs> high forties, low fifties, uh, when the sun was shining. I think it was a beautiful day. I am I'm I, I'm past the point of craving sunlight. I'm I'm going into full on vitamin D depletion mode. Okay? But it's sunny out. I don't think it is. <laughs> it is. I don't I think saw it, it is. I think I missed that sunny day. Thursday was apparently a very sunny day, according to Nick. And I was working all day, um, and I never got, I never got to see that sunlight. And I think that you've been primed because of that day. So now you're just riding that wave. To me, it's just been two days of murkiness. Oh God, Thursday was a gorgeous day. You had to be there. It's too friggin' bad that you weren't because it was. Juicy outside. But guess I'll tell what? You what? It's fun. It's hot. It's happening. I just realized we've been talking about weather. We've been doing the definition of shitty small talk for the first Folks, two minutes we, of this podcast. We can't just jump into some hot, sexy reality talk. I mean, we we have to establish how we're feeling. And I think that you missed out on the most gorgeous Thursday <laughs> of all time. But yesterday was great. What about you yesterday? Know what? Did you, you not get enough sunlight yesterday? I got nothing yesterday. I will say, though, Thursday I was working at MTV and I got to work with some people who have been um, a part of like different reality shows over there and i got some fun information i did some digging well what did you get i mean you got you're teasing us now tell us i got one the the most important information i got is that the most fun people the easiest people to work with and the most fun people to work with are the miz and the rock well, I mean, I could have told you that. Uh, those two are my two favorite people of all time. That's not it's true. It's just nice to have it confirmed, though, to be, have mean, producers Miz... be like, The Miz is one of the easiest people to work with, makes it fun, and this, and that, like, The Rock is like a, a shining light of, you know, being a good human. I, w- I worked on a television show for about a year over there at MTV Studios, and we had The Miz on as a guest, and he was incredible. Yeah. Super nice, super on time. His pregnant wife came came and uh maurice and she they seem to actually like each other yeah i mean and it's weird because they worked with each other for a very long time and now they have a reality television show that i think is going into its second season which you and i have never even cracked into and you saw a promo for ms and mrs and you're like what's that and i was like that's the mrs reality show yeah we gotta watch that we also need to find out how we can do a reality show about our lives but this is what this is. No, but they're not watching us. They don't see all this fun action of us sitting in our living room. I don't want a reality <laughs> show of our lives. I really don't. Why? But Why not? Because it's. It, I am too self-aware to allow myself to be shot on television in an entertaining fashion in a reality sense. Yeah. Like I, if I have like a bit or something that I'm playing or a part that I'm doing or a game that I'm trying to uh, let the audience in on, something fun. But if it's just me in a fish tank enjoying myself and people watching it or me not enjoying myself and people watching it, I don't have I don't have that in my brain. I'm constantly on or I'm annoyed that I'm in a situation where cameras are in my face and I'm like I have to go pretend that it's not happening. It's it's incredibly uh, annoying to me. Fun fact about me, guys, is that I was in a reality show. Um, it was actually it was it was sold as a documentary. They said it was a documentary, but it was a reality show. And then I was cut out of it before it aired. Don't worry, Mama did get those paychecks. Okay, I did get filming paychecks, so that was good. But I was cut out completely. Are of you this allowed documentary. to talk about what this is? I don't. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, fuck it. Yeah, I didn't okay. sign an NDA. So why don't you explain to the fine folks at home, the blowhards, if you will, what 
you were involved in and what that process was. Okay, so I'm a comic and yes, you are. Um, I'm a comedian in New York City, and there is a yearly uh, festival in um, t- Montreal. I was about to say Toronto in Montreal, Canada, called the Just for Laughs Festival, and it is it's it's a big deal in the comedy world um, because in the past it was sort of like a landmark. Um, accomplishment that would usually lead to lucrative career stuff. It still can. Basically, the entire um, entertainment industry, anybody who's looking to hire a comedian for any little thing, goes to this festival each year, and it's kind of like the prospects, the up-and-comers, the new faces of, of com- comedy. And that's the showcase. It's called the New Faces mm. uh, New Faces at Just for Laughs. And they audition thousands of comedians all over the country to pick about, I think they pick nine or ten comedians for the just for the new faces just for laughs maybe it's 12 it's it's a very small number i've auditioned for the festival and i haven't gotten it numerous times and then last year the festival partnered with amazon prime to do a documentary about comedians auditioning for and either getting or not getting this festival so it was supposed to be called the road to jfl um, the road, the road to Just for Laughs festival, and it it eventually got marketed as Inside Jokes, so you can watch that on Amazon Prime. But it was originally called the Road to JFL, and the the guys at J at JFL, the Just for Laughs folks, they um, provided names to the people who were making the documentary about possible comedians for them to follow. And I was one of the comedians that got picked to be in this documentary. There were four in New York that were picked, and there were five in L.A. that were picked. And so for a couple of months, this documentary team followed me around shows. They followed me to my Just for Laughs callback. They followed me um, on to my, my job. They spent hours in the house and... It was just a lot of documenting me getting ready to hypothetically go to the festival, which I assumed I was going to go to the festival. It felt very much like everyone in the documentary was going to go to the festival since um, our names had been, you know, we had been picked by the festival to be followed for this documentary. And then I didn't get the festival. Um, I found that out. And then... Pretty much as soon as I didn't get the festival, the documentary team stopped following me. And then a couple months after that, the doc, the the, produ- the producer I was working with called and said I was being cut out of the documentary. Yeah, it was a tumultuous time, to say the least. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I personally think it was uh, a godsend that you were not showcased in this docuseries based on the fact that you didn't get the festival. And so really nobody knows that you failed at this. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Except for your close friends and family, obviously. But And I'm using failed in a... Listen, the amount of people that auditioned for this festival every single year and say get, get a no is incredible it's it's most comedians yeah uh it's happened to me a bunch of times it's happened to ashley a bunch of times and so to get that no on a normal year is just like well eh, that happens to most people yeah but to get that no and then it's documented on amazon prime and it's an it's a it's a just for laughs you know produced television show that's a whole high profile no you know what i mean and uh the fact that they were like hey listen you were great unfortunately you didn't get the festival and and even more unfortunately, you're not going to be showcased in this documentary. Um, I think is a positive thing, and uh, and I, I mean, th- I think you do too, right? Or am I wrong? I, I have a lot of mixed feelings about it. I mean, obviously, the the outcome I would have hoped for would be to have gotten the festival and been a part of the documentary. Um, when I decided, when when I was told I wasn't getting the festival, there was a part of me that was like, well, at least there's this going to be this documentary of um, my, the past three months because surely there's a bunch of like weirdos out there or just it's just fun people who would like my comedy who I would who would see me and be exposed to me for the first time. I was like, surely there's some people out there um, who would be new fans just from watching me not get even even though I didn't get it just from watching me in this documentary. So I was looking forward to that, but ultimately there's so much anxiety 
about um, this time capsule of me failing, of me not getting thing, getting something that I'm trying to get, and to have that anxiety taken off my shoulders was a huge relief when I found out I was cut out of the dock. Because, but I, I, like I said, I have so many mixed feelings. It's so weird, Nick. It is so weird to spend months of your life being followed, um, talk, getting deep in your head about these things because they're not just like letting you get, they're not letting you get away with surface answers. They're probing you for hours. And then you, you say something, you're like, oh, I guess I didn't even know I felt that way, you know, and now it's on camera and it's just, it, it was giving a lot of myself and for that to just like not exist at all is pretty bizarre. Yeah, it's a weird situation. In fact, I don't know if you remember this right off the top of your head, but they recorded us recording a podcast. Yeah, once. they were the documentary team. Yeah, filmed us recording a Reality Blows it's, podcast. It's actually the episode it was back when we had guests very early in our podcast, and uh, we had uh, Sachi Ezra on our show. And in the beginning of us recording this thing, we had cameras standing around filming us record this thing. And I'll be honest, it infuriated me. I you absolutely hate hated it. You hate that. And they also tried to have you on camera at another point in the filming of the doc, and you hated that too. Oh, I did not like it. I mean, I, there's way too many people in our apartment. They're kind of sitting on our, you know, like windowsills and all their equipment's all Leaving over Leaving the, the door open. We're like worried about Lily. And, and they're taping down wires and putting extra lamp. I mean, how many other, how many extra lamps do we have in we our had, home now because yeah this doc team came in and spent a day um outfitting our apartment with lights and wires basically turning it into a film studio so that they could get uh, enough light for shots and then they never really used the apartment again so it's like this apartment is incredibly tough to film in i mean we're, we have a narrow railroad apartment yeah so you can't stand and film somebody you only can do it long ways yeah you know so it was really tough and i mean standing in the kitchen signing a piece of paper uh meanwhile they filmed our podcast and i'm like what are they i, I was really upset that they although i'm like oh cool like they're gonna use this the other thing was this was a test shoot yes that they were filming our podcast and yet i still had to sign something that said it's okay for them to use this so it was like you're kind of ruining a recording of ours, in my opinion, and then you're not even going to really use it. And I'm still having to fill out paperwork, and I'm not getting—I'm not receiving a dime from this thing. I, that was the other thing. It was like, well, they wanted you me received to be, some. You received some meals on Ashley. Okay, but you know what? I took you, us to Olympic National Park. Yeah, I think we took us to Olympic National Park. Thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's true. Oh yeah, ask the four thousand dollars I spent <laughs> for that trip, but um. Um, and you've gotten many meals on Nick as well. So yeah. it's, it's, it's not as if like I was being compensated and I was fine with that as long as like it was going to be a comfortable thing where I could be uh, showcased on this thing in a way that would make us look okay. But what they wanted to film was fake stuff. And, and that was a little disappointing in my, in my mind. It was like one time they came in and like they filmed us talking about your stand-up set like sitting in two chairs looking at one another and you were talking about your comedy and your process as that if, was weird and it was like they were like okay so do what you do when you guys like talk about like go over stand-up and stuff like that and it's like we do not do that yeah. at all i mean yeah. we do in passing um where you're like i need help with this thing and i'm like okay this that and the other and you're like okay that works or i see you perform and i'm like hey i got a note uh maybe try this and you're like okay cool um but never do we sit with our notebooks out and like game plan have like things. a powwow and it was the most awkward fucking thing i've had to sit through and it was like this is not real this is not what we do and also it looks kind of lame so i had yeah. all of those things running through my head where i'm like i don't want the i don't want it to look like uh, we're like some strange comedy couple who sits at home in an empty room with two chairs and looks at one another and talks about our goals of jokes and whatever that scene was horrible yeah I, I i found the whole like structure of it to be really confusing because um on the one hand if it was a reality show like if they were plugging us into a reality show i feel like i would do well i feel like i would i, I would thrive under the like 
under the under the guise of this is a reality show. So I would play my character. Um, but because they kept saying it was a documentary, there was just in within me a knee jerk reaction to be as authentic as possible at all times. And that was uncomfortable when they were clearly staging scenes. Because it's like, what's going on here, guys? Is this a documentary? Are you following me around and really getting to know me? Or are you creating the narrative that you think is going to be the most compelling to watch? What like can you give an example of like a staged scene that you shot? God, I mean so many to be honest. Like um, they would, so they would ask me about my week before, like every, uh, Monday I would send them sort of a, what I'm doing this week. And they would say like, Oh, can we come to this? Can we come to that? And then it was like, um, one day me and my friend, um, very funny comedian, Joe Firestone, you guys go check her out. We had plans to get our auras read. And so we were going to go get our auras read. And then the documentary team was like, we'd love to come to that. Um, and I was like, okay, sure, why not? And then they were like, okay, so, and, and I told them, I was like, you guys can come watch us get our auras read, but just know that, like, we're going to go have lunch after this, and it's just going to be the two of us, because, like, this is a friend hangout. We're not doing this for the doc, you know? And they were like, yeah, no problem. And then it kind of turned into, like, well, can we just come to a little bit of the lunch and I was like, okay, fine, you can come to like a little bit of the lunch. And then once we got to the lunch, they were like, "We're J- Joe Firestone is a Just for Laughs. Um, she had been there. So she's she, an alumnus. She's an alumnus. So they were like, can you and Joe please talk about the festival? So then it ended up being like our whole lunch having to be them, having to be like her talking and telling me about it and me asking her questions. And then they would like stop it and they'd be like, okay, can you guys talk more about this? Can you talk more about that? And so it was like this whole conversation at this lunch was dictated by the producer and what she wanted to hear and that happened over and over again like I would say an offhand comment and she would then be like that would then that would come up later like a week later I'd be having for example I got my haircut they came to watch me get my haircut and I'm just talking to my hairdresser who is a challenge fan shout out to Meg everybody at the Karcher in Greenpoint um, talking to her just as I usually do and then they're like they stop filming and they're like I'm sorry but can you talk about your look as a comedian and why like that hair is important to your look and how you're trying to portray it and I'm like I don't want to be talking about that I'm trying to catch up with Meg here you know it was just constantly dictating the conversations I was having and the situations and it felt very produced and then on top of that Nick I'm all worked up they Get had, worked up. They had no respect for reality television. So, like, I was like, I love reality TV. Like, the podcast is about reality television. And they would be like, oh, yeah, I just don't think we should, like, be watching reality TV in this political climate. And I was like, well, Ugh, well you're making a reality off. show. <laughs> My God. And also, what they're doing is what I assume happens on, like, Real Housewives, where they're like, you must go to this lunch and talk about yeah. the Dorit dog situation. Exactly. And it's like, because uh, there seems to be a game every single time they have one of these shoots in a restaurant or something. It's You're not watching people have shoot the shit and talk about how Thursday was a sunny day and you missed it. It's yeah. only about the storylines in yeah. which that they... They um, are producing at the time. And, you know, the difference between that and this is all the cards are on the table for Real Housewives. We know what we're getting into. We're making not reality TV. We're making reality TV proper. Like this is the show. So it's like this is what you do. And it sounds like they were pretend they were acting as if their shit didn't stink. They were a hundred percent. They it- were acting as if this was a documentary and that they were following me as an artist. Cause I like to think of myself as like just a, a, a creator outside of the just the title of stand-up. I do stand-up. I do a bunch of other stuff, too. And so I would try and incorporate other stuff into it. And they'd be like, yeah, but can you talk about the stand-up thing? And I was like, okay, you have a very clear, narrow vision of what you want, but you are trying to pretend as if this is a profile on me. The other thing is, like, if they really wanted to know what, like, stand-up comedians, at least in New York City, are... I mean, yeah, sometimes they... um, You know, when you start out, you talk a lot about jokes and you talk a lot about who your favorite comedians are and bits that you like but when you've been doing this for a while 
it's just something that you do for yourself and you do it with your friends, but but the your comic friends become your real friends. Yeah. And you have normal conversations about other things. Right. And you have them between sets at comedy shows yeah. that you're going to. And yes, there are some times where you're having like a coffee date to do some workshopping with stuff. But like if you're not doing that, it, it's not as if we're walking around with our comedy notebooks out like assessing jokes all day long. You're living life and then you're coming up with ideas in your head and you're going, that might be funny. And you try them out and then they work or they don't and you work on them or you don't afterwards. And that's basically it. I mean, uh, I, I, I kind of find it to be um, people who are comedians and all they do is talk about stand up comedy. I don't they don't last too long with comedians that have been doing this for a while and are pretty serious about it based on the fact that like leave the work talk somewhere else. Like, I kind of want to talk about real housewives. You know what I mean? So I want to have real relationships with people. It's um, the and you know that that really is. And um, uh, forgive me for using this word, but it is a very layperson um, way of thinking about stand-ups like that they're like hanging out at the bar, depressed. Smoking like, cigarettes, talking, talking those jokes. premises. And, and yes, it, that does happen from time to time, but not every single time you get together with a person. You and know? if and, you are that person who's always doing that, just know that you're exhausting. Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> we get it. You like your jokes. We get it, yeah. No one's ever working out. I mean, a comedian can sniff out somebody trying to work out a in conversation like immediately yeah so it's it was a lot of fake ass shit and if i was in your situation ashley i probably would have gotten cut out as well i Um, felt so uncomfortable for most of the filming and yeah there were times i you know i was working particularly with one producer who she i would say that she got me You know, like I think she understood what my deal was. So she would let me talk about other things besides stand up. And like, you know, she encouraged that she was she saw me as like uh, she saw the bigger picture of Ashley Brooke Roberts and it not just being like, I got to get into this festival, which was the narrative that the main, you know, I would say the, the creator and the main driving force behind it wanted all the comics to be talking about the festival focused on the festival and the producer I worked with was kind of like oh but like show us your drawings and stuff and um that I think is ultimately why I was cut out yeah well that's a (laughs) bad move uh because I kind of feel like you want to see what comedians lives are actually like and it's disappointing to find out that all they're talking about is their tight five it's like which is not the truth, especially with the comedians that are being, you know, documented for this series. If you're like a serious contender for this festival, for the most part, you've been doing it for a few years and you're good enough to not have to talk about joke structure all day long with all of your friends. Yeah. So, um, you know, I, I think they would have probably done better to just do a show called Open Mic, the docu-series, and follow it around people who have just started stand-up comedy if if all they want to hear is people talking about stand-up. Because I know for a fact, when I started the first year or two, all I wanted to do was talk about it. And that, as soon as you move to a city that you're inundated in stand-up and your work, it's uh you you're not going to survive if you don't like um create an actual life for yourself with some of these people you outside of you have to create a real life you yeah. have to have a real life and i i think this goes for all artists and every field if you don't have personal connections and you don't have interests outside of your one creative like one professional creative endeavor you're going to be very depressed and very burnt out around year 3 And I would say that I am not interested in showcasing myself in an um, in a like a net free way. Like uh, I don't I don't want to um, put myself out there and have people see all of everything about me that I'm not choosing to share with people a hundred percent i think that's one of the reasons why we're comics is because we can almost it's not that we're hiding behind our art but we have that lens that like filter of we're putting on a performance we are picking the material we're showing you well we're in control of what people are judging us on a hundred percent and so when you're just like hey we're gonna set up a camera you just live your life for 24 hours and then we'll cut 30 minutes out of that and make a show well you better believe you have a lot of leeway to tell whatever story you possibly want and that was the danger of you not getting this festival on film 
because yes, you had a lot of fun moments. You were genuine. You tried your best. I'm sure you were hilarious in scenes. But if you were one of the people that ultimately didn't get chosen for the festival, they know that as they're cutting this show together. Right. And so they're going to give you an edit that makes sense on why you didn't get that festival. And that edit might have been you not being very good when that is not true. You are very good, but they're filming enough of you and have enough control over the narrative that they can make you look any which way you want. Now, with that being said, Ashley Brooke Roberts, yeah. if you were to have gotten a bad edit or an edit you were, um, I don't know, let's just say you disagreed with once the final product came out, yeah. would you have been one of these people that put out that blog <laughs> who set the record straight after the episode aired on your Twitter? Yes. You would have been. Yes, because I will say early in this process, I was telling another comedian about it who has done like a lot of... Um, um, field work for a lot of television shows. She's a very successful comic and producer and writer. And she uh, she worked at The Daily Show for years. And so she was like, Ashley, I'm going to insist that you carry a notebook with you on these outings and you record everything that makes you kind of feel weird if they ask you a leading question, what your responses are to things, just because if you get an edit that is not correct is not true to you is not authentic to your experience you will actually have a, a manifest a, a manifest that you recorded everything in and will be able to kind of go you know react to it on social media with that what that's great advice isn't that good advice are you not able to say who gave you that great advice I, it was jenna friedman jenna friedman yeah there you go and she's a very successful stand-up comic yeah so. follow her on twitter and watch her netflix special um well, that's really good advice. And uh, and I, I did it. And you did do I it? I did do it. So I, because they would ask me questions. They would be like, so like, how do your Southern roots influence your standup? And it felt like I was like, getting this edit of like this just this dumb southerner like yeah, cut cut to the actual footage and it's just like as they're walking up to her apartment the all of a sudden you just hear like a dueling banjos in the background and it's just like hey i don't remember chewing on a piece of hay during that scene and yeah. what's with that corn cob pipe yeah, yeah so whenever i got like questions like that i would record it and so i i had that I had that written I would down. love to see those. Maybe one day you can read some of these yeah. for, for the audience. Well, that was very insightful, Ashley. I'm glad you opened that up because uh, I even learned some stuff there that I didn't know. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you what. I would have been very quick to tell these people to literally fuck off on certain things. And I, you would have just seen me throw tantrums in the way that I like to throw tantrums when I feel like I'm being placed in a box and I can't get out. Uh, I'm very quick to start trying to break the walls of that box. Mm -hmm. And who knows, uh, I may have not been able to handle this, you know, if I was in your position. I thought you handled it quite well. Thanks, babe. But ultimately, I think the correct thing happened if you didn't get the festival. I don't want to see my perfect Ashley get an imperfect edit, Aww, you know? thank you. Um, anyway, folks, we are going to break here. When we come back, that's right, folks, we watched... Temptation Island. Oh yeah, the reboot. The reboot on USA. I believe there's about eight episodes that have that are out, or ten maybe. And we watched mm, four or five of them, so we're about midway through to what the current season is. Uh, if you guys haven't watched that at all, don't worry about it because we're just going to talk about the premise and what we like about the show, and we'll let you know whether or not it is worth seeking out. Folks, stick around because we will be right back. See you in a sec. Folks, we are back. Ashley, take it away. So Temptation Island is on USA, and um, we did get a, a hot tip from a listener to check it out. And I'm so glad they wrote us mm -hmm. because this show is highly watchable, and it really does a great job of blending so many reality TV tropes into one um, hot package, I'll say. There's <laughs> one hot package. Um, it this sh I'm gonna give my overall 
like impression of the show. I usually save that for the last, but I am tempted to do it now. I'm I'm temptation island to do it now. <laughs> and that is that I really liked this show. It hit all the right spots for me. There are established relationships we get to see. We have drunken nights. We have sexy singles. And we have a beautiful landscapes. So it, it really came together and was successful. And the breakdown of the show is as follows. This is from the USA Network's website. Temptation Island follows four dating couples at a pivotal time in their relationship where they must mutually decide if they are ready to commit to one another for the rest of their lives or should go their separate ways. Together, the couples travel to the tropical paradise of Maui, Hawaii, where they join 24 eligible men and women. There, they live the single life in a test that is meant to help answer their most difficult questions about their relationship. And uh, I think it's a pretty good synopsis of what we saw. I mean, in um, normal terms, they just take, you know, four couples who are kind of on the skids would you say some of them seem like they have serious issues some of them seem like they don't really some of them seem like they are in a solid relationship and yet they go onto this island and they get split up and then they the get men go to one house one full cabana of, full of sexy singles and the women go in another cabana full of sexy singles and then surprise or actually it's not a surprise they bring in a bunch of eligible bachelor and bachelorettes who are horny for these for these couples yeah and uh they basically tempt them to hook up with these people um but under the guise of whatever you do in this house your partner is going to see um, at the end of every episode. At the bonfire ceremony. At the bonfire ceremony. <laughs> um, so just I want to give some notes right off the top. When we started watching the first episode, I delighted in the fact that Nick could not wrap his mind around <laughs> this format. He he had seen the original show. Yeah, but I checked. The original show was like 2001 to 2003. You, Nick, I was in ninth grade. Nick was like watching this and he was like, wait, so it's like, it's like, are you the one? Like they got to find their perfect match. And I'm like, nope. And then like 10 minutes later, he'd be like, okay, it's X on the beach. They're X. And I'm like, no, he, you had such a hard time. It was tough for me to understand <laughs> what the hell was going on here. Now, the toughest part for me was in the first episode when they're introducing the host and before you see his face it just says Mark Wahlberg <laughs> and and then it turns around and it's like this old dude I was like that's not Mark Wahlberg and you know what I fought with Ashley for about a minute and a half where I'm like Ashley it's not Mark Wahlberg okay I yeah, know it. it was like why did you think that was gonna be Mark Wahlberg and you were like I just saw the name and I'm like still it doesn't make sense because I recognize that guy but you didn't see the name plugging him before I he didn't. turned around I didn't and I just we was had... like that's not Mark Wahlberg it's not true there's no fucking way because we all know who Marky Mark Wahlberg is and it ain't that guy we had to rewind it and watch it again and I honestly think that it should say Mark Wahlberg and then in parentheses not the Mark Wahlberg <laughs> not that one yeah not the one you yeah, think it is because the problem I was having was when I saw him is because I had recognized that guy and I was just I couldn't tell what I know him from but it's like if I've recognized the guy pretty well as being a host on TV it's like I would have known that his name was also <laughs> Mark Wahlberg and I didn't and then I realized when I looked it up i was like oh my god this guy's name is mark Wahlberg, <laughs> but he also is the host for many many years of antiques roadshow wow and it's like i watched that when i'm in new jersey with with my my grandmother uh who we affectionately call nanny mm -hmm. and it's like me and nanny were watching uh antique roadshow a couple months ago and i saw this man and um <laughs> i didn't make the connection there that his name was mark Wahlberg. wow first of all Okay, wow. so you start your hosting career in 2000 <laughs> with Temptation Island. He may have hosted a couple of other things. Who knows? He might have hosted, um, uh, you know, uh, The Swan. I don't know what other Fox Botch, reality. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, but um, in, in still, it's it's nine. It's late 90s. It's early aughts. It's t 10, 10 years after Mark Wahlberg was a household name. Yeah, wouldn't you go by? something else yeah. change your name call yourself marcus Wahlberg. yeah he, this guy's holding steady and yeah maybe his name Wahlberg, isn't spelled exactly the same come on your name is mark Wahlberg. dude your name <laughs> 
is Mark Wahlberg. Change your name, dude. Change your name. When you started acting like in the Writers Guild or whatever, in the acting uh, uh, SAG or whatever, yeah. like you're going to just stick with it. And you're like, nah, I'm no one will remember who Mark Wahlberg is when not by the time I'm famous. And wow. it's like still not true. Like this guy's name is Mark Wahlberg and no one is doing <laughs> anything about it. And that is a fucking problem. It really is. And it, it took us, I would say a good 10 minutes to get over. I sort of want to like call the authorities. <laughs> like this has to be stopped. Yeah. It, it was really strange. I, again, it should just be addressed because then when the, the couples were talking, about it and they were like you know you get these interviews with the couples and they're like man it didn't seem real until we saw mark Wahlberg standing there <laughs> <laughs> greeting us on the they island never said his full name <laughs> so, did they i think they did <laughs> i think they did I, I actually saw a couple of the guys faces were a little disappointed when that mark Wahlberg <laughs> showed up because i think they may have signed up based on the fact where they wanted to meet mark Wahlberg of Wahlbergers. yeah who knows yeah and all the other thing mark Wahlberg kind of is is attached to producing a reality show called Wahlbergers. i mean yeah. it's not on anymore but still like it just doesn't add up and this guy could have been mark Wahlberg if he had just like aged poorly in the past 10 years i could yeah. see it kind of happening so that was confusing it, they're both like average height white guys and i'm sure they both have blinded a man in their youth oh um, wow so, yeah that's right we shouldn't really like mark Marky Mark Wahlberg. No one said we liked him. And it's like, it's as if like it's not like your name was like, oh yeah, my also my name is also Barack Obama. It's like I'm gonna go buy it because Barack Obama has like a really great track record. Yeah. Mark Wahlberg has some sus ass shit that happened in his. He past. does have a a, a, conf a dark past. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, not to mention he's a one hit wonder rapper. You know what I mean? But so, he's married to Jenny McCarthy, and he was also a Calvin Klein model. Was he? Is he married? Um, no, that's the other Wahlberg. Oh. That's, that's Donnie. Donnie Wahlberg. So confusing. I mean, honestly, I would have been less thrown if they said his name was Donnie Wahlberg. <laughs> <laughs> At least go by Donnie. Now, I, I hate to move on, but I wrote down I, you here. You know, we cannot move on. <laughs> this needs to be talked. All right, let's move on. One of my notes from the first episode, and I think we're on episode four or five. And so this is just the first episode I was taking notes. I wrote down semi-racist comments. Do you remember what that was about? No. I wonder why I wrote that. Um, I assume one of the people on the show. Oh, was it? Did it have to do with the blonde who was talking to the African American gentleman? And, oh, maybe. Uh, but it wasn't really racist. It was more kind of like a uh, podunk. They're uh, just yeah. Okay. I, well, but that might have not have been it. But yeah, there there is like a little bit of strangeness going on with this woman needing to tell this man that she has never. There um, is a you're white not my woman. type. I've never spoken to anybody like you before, <laughs> yeah. but we're hitting it off, so I like it. There's a white woman who is kind of dating um, a black man, or they're flirting on the, you know, he's one of the eligibles, he's one of the sexy singles, and every time they're having a scene together, she's always like, I've never dated anyone like she you. keeps saying like i believe me you're not traditionally my type yeah believe me and we know what her boyfriend and, looks like i mean he's like hey man what's up my name is john and uh he's just an average white dude named john but it's just it's very funny that like every clip she's like you and me never in a million years would i have thought it works but it works it works just don't tell my dad <laughs> yeah i'm gonna get in trouble that's what it really feels like that's being yeah. cut out of the next sentence um another note i took is that we meet all of these sex singles um, or the eligible people that our people in relationships will be tempted by we meet all of them we think until the episode keeps going and we're realizing oh wait a minute who's that guy with glasses wait a minute who's that redhead girl uh, you wait know a minute how, like, <laughs> you know how like in um on like x on the beach like later in the season when there's so many um singles on the or like in are you the one like the first four episodes where like there's a per new person in this house like you that, usually get some of, of some bio on those people, though. That happens big time on this show. Big Where it's time. like episode four and there's a brand new person walking around. And then you're like, who the fuck is this guy? There are two guys who are part of the eligible bachelors um, in the girl's house. And I have no idea who they are. Don't know their name. Haven't seen them talk once. I'm, I, I can't. I am shocked that they are getting so like either cut them out. Or introduce them a little bit. But just to have them kind of always floating in the background, I'm like, wait a minute. Is, it, is this like an M. Night Shyamalan movie and he's going to kill everybody? Like, what's happening? Yeah, it's it, it, it. I do feel bad for them because they're throwing themselves out there on this show. And then to not be featured on it, you know, 
that's double embarrassment in my in in my estimations. Okay, let's talk about um, the couples. First up is Evan and Casey. Um, you might know them as Mr. and Mrs. Horseface. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I th- this is these people. They look this couple is fascinating to me. Let me read their bio. Their current city is Los Angeles. How they met. They went to rival high schools and connected right before college. Throughout the past 10 years, Evan and Casey have grown alongside each other through every success and hardship. They believe in one another, but something has been holding them back. Casey is ready for marriage and motherhood, and while Evan says he is too, he just can't bring himself to get down on one knee. Casey is tired of waiting and knows this experience will open their minds and hearts to ensure they are soulmates and help them commit to the next stage of life. Will Evan get cold feet, or will he finally agree to propose to the woman of his dreams? Okay, this couple is so fun to watch the first episode i was like nick that's us yeah you had it in your head that this is us and you still may think that this is us but we wouldn't be horse faces we'd be like pineapple heads (laughs) i don't know what we would be but it's um we have round heads they have long faces i thought they were us just because they're like in the beginning the way they talk about their relationship reminds me of how we talk about our relationship which is like you're my person you're my best friend no other bond is gonna ever come in between this like we have each other's back we are soulmates yeah yeah but like that was in the first episode and then Things took a turn. Well, honestly, for, first of all, I, I think the reason that it, it, I thought the reason that you were doing that is based on how the man's actions when he's being put on the spot for commitment and stuff. That That's true, too, because we've been together for almost eight years, and I do ask you periodically, when are you going to ask me to marry you? That is true. So that, that you know, <laughs> that storyline, I was like, look, it's us. You know, they're like best friends and lovers. And then the woman's always being like, when are we going to get engaged? No, but but here's the thing. The answer, what's the guy's name? His name's Evan. E- Evan gives this sweaty answer of like, <laughs> yeah, but we're like already like, ha- a piece of paper is not going to prove anything. Like, he's got this backpedally, sweaty, non-committal and his dad face. cheated, and so he's like worried oh, about committing. Can we get into the dads in a second? Yeah. Okay, because like the way that this guy was uh, backpedals and stuff is not the way that I react to those. Yeah. We, you know, we have plans and, and this and that. This guy is just like trying to see how long he can go without marrying this woman based on the fact that he does not want to get married at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. And ours, we're not going to go into that so much right now, but there's but different this is reasons not us. for yeah, it. This is definitely not us. Um, and, and so I kind of feel as though, you know, um, with this couple in particular, why it's so dicey and saucy, as you were mentioning, is because this seems to be the only couple that had like an agreement of... Um, hey, listen, we're signing up for this show, so don't worry about what you do in there. You follow your heart, and I'll be there at the end of this if we feel like we want to be there for one another. They do what I, I agree. They do what I would hope we would do or what I would think any couple would do, which is like have a little fun, no sex, but you can like make out a little bit. Yeah, like, but you don't even know that they said no sex. because I'm assuming they said that. It, the, the other thing with this is, is the is the woman in the relationship. She comes from a religious family who's putting a lot of pressure on her to, to get married. And they feel like she's living in sin with her boyfriend at the time. And so she is now um, moving that uh, pressure over to her own relationship and on Evan, her boyfriend. And she is the catalyst for them being on this show. Yeah. When you see Evan in the beginning, he's like, I don't know what this is. She really wants to do this. Whatever. We're going to go through this process. Evan's like, yeah, he's like, I, I, I'm doing it. I love her and I'm just doing it for that. And she is like, listen, things need she he needs a kick in the ass and we need some help. We've stalled out. So we're going to try this and give ourselves. A, she was very much in the power seat here. Yeah. And as the episodes roll on, she immediately regrets doing this within the first day and is like looking at her at everybody else and at Mark Wahlberg saying, <laughs> no, not that world, Mark Wahlberg, the other Mark Wahlberg um, and is saying like, boy, oh boy, it took me about nine minutes minutes in this house in this cabana to realize I did not need to go on this show to prove whether or not I'm in love with this man what we have is real no one else could say that and now I feel like I fucked everything up Mm -hmm. cut to Evan in the other house who's like well I have a crush on three girls so I'm 
I don't know, but I guess she's having a good time too, so I'm going to fall for these women. And it's like Oof. now at the end of each episode, she's seeing that he is moving on with yeah. his relationship with these women in the house, and it is not necessarily happening like that for her. Not and, at all. And she's getting sad. She's so sad, and, and she, I feel for her. She can't blame anybody else but anybody else but herself. I don't know. I think she can blame Evan. What? Yeah. Come on. He like fell. He's like in love with someone. We're in the third episode. He's not in week. love. He said he's falling for somebody and he has it's a little a crush week. on somebody. He is not. And and by the way, if you guys have watched this and, you know, if you guys are caught up, we are not. So who knows what goes on? I can only imagine that, um, you know, it just continues over there. He seems like a dummy. Listen, you can't fall for someone that quickly if you're in a relationship. Okay, let it let it unfold a little bit slower. I, I just feel like he bailed on his girlfriend on the third night. Uh, what are you supposed to do in this situation? I feel like if you're signing up for this show, you're signing up for an opportunity to fall for somebody else that's not your girlfriend or boyfriend. I, I, I just don't get it. And that's Nick, kind if of- we went on this show... Would you be okay with like little first date makeouts? What? Like if we hadn't, if we, if you and I were going on the show, and I was like, our agreement is that we can have fun, we can like make out with people, no sex, nothing serious. How would you feel about that? I wouldn't like it. You wouldn't be down. I for wouldn't want to do it. Now, if we were in this situation. I'd be fucking all the hoes. What? <laughs> Why did she say know. that? I thought it was funny. As They're soon as I started hoes. saying it, I, I felt bad. I wouldn't fuck any hoes, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I don't know how I would hold up in this situation. I would never be in this situation ever. I mean, I just spent 25 minutes talking about how I'm uncomfortable. Although there is a game here to be played, which, um, if you know, calling what back to the- What is the game? The game is like a romance, a romance dating show game. There's At least no you know, winners, though. Yeah, there are. It's What do you win? You win either having a relationship or you win losing your relationship. I, I mean, there is a end game here. And it does seem like there's some sort of ceremony at the end of this show that is like, are you going to stay together? Are you not? Yeah, I wish the format of the show had been laid out a little bit more because I'm curious, is is there is this like marriage boot camp when you have like the... I think it is. It, okay. From, from, from the, the final ceremony. From, from what I saw in the this season on, Yeah, uh, it seems like it was very much like that where you're having like a ceremony where you're meeting up and uh, you're basically having to say, I'm going to stay committed to you or I I think we should break up. Mm. And um, I'm very excited for that moment. Now, before we get into the other couples, I think we need to address the big elephant in the room, which is all the dead dads. Um, yeah. What's it, going on with this show and, and the dead dads? Um, so far in this show, I've heard of at least three horrible situations with dads. I mean, we'll talk about Evan, who we were just talking about a second ago. His story about his dad is he cheated. His dad cheated on his mom. And then the man... Uh, who was married? The husband, yeah. The husband of the woman that his dad was having a, 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 a an affair a, an affair with killed his dad. Yeah, and it's like, whoa! Yeah. Talk about trigger warning of being in a situation of infidelity. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's crazy. And then there was um, there was a a couple of people on this show. Their dads have passed away in strange ways. Yeah. And it's like, is that a prerequisite? <laughs> or is it are we just basic is the sub game the the moral of the story here is if if you're if you don't have a father around, you may be on Temptation Island in this fucked up situation. Every episode, yeah, every episode is someone like telling a sad story about their dad, and it's I don't know if this continues throughout the season, but it definitely struck us as odd in the first. It, three. Was, it was pretty uncanny. Um, all right, so what what other couples we got? We got John and Katie. So John and Katie are the group. The this is the blonde woman who kept telling the African American man that she, he is not her type, but she's enjoying their conversations. And there's a clear subliminal. I've never had a relationship with a person of color before, and it is awkward at first. Um, and then later, a little sensual. There is a little <laughs> sensuality that goes along with it. They've been together for three years. They met on the dating app Bumble, and this is their bio. Katie is a country girl who's always been the long-term girlfriend, but never the bride. After meeting John, she finally felt she met her partner in life. 
John and Katie balance each other out and push one another to the best versions of themselves. However, Katie constantly questions John's masculinity and has always wanted an alpha guy. The two of them both thought they were ready to take the leap towards marriage, but something held them back. As they got closer to that monumental step, they began to reevaluate, and together they want to use this journey to figure out who they are separately. Will the couple's self-control be stronger than you think? I don't understand that last question. Listen, here's what's going on with these two. Her gripe with him is that he's not a manly man. I hate this. And you know what? He looks like the manliest man on the show. He seems great. I actually really like John. He like clearly cares about Katie. He seems smart and level-headed. I, I don't understand why she keeps... Like, she's playing into such an idea, such a toxic masculinity idea, idea, such a toxic idea of masculinity, excuse me, where it's like, if you're not getting beat up and bruised and killing animals, then you're not a man. It is strange, but then it was revealed that she grew up, dun dun dun, without a father. He grew up without a father. She grew up without a father. He also grew up without a father, oh, remember? True? Because she says that thing. Um, oh, that's right. She says, like, I, I, I question whether or not he'll be a good father. And he's like, she knows how much that hurts me because my father wasn't a good father. Yeah. He wasn't there. Um, it, <laughs> it is true. I forgot about that. But her whole thing was, I grew up without a father and I don't and I don't feel like my kid is going to survive the way I want them to without a father. It's just it's such a strange. No one has a dad on this crazy. show. So um, the other thing that I'm not too clear on here is Katie keeps saying the same thing. I don't know if he's going to be a good dad. I don't know if he is capable of being the man that I need. I like a man's man. I need to. Never once says anything, never uh, actually spells out any of the details. Well, she does when she's in the pool with her love interest where she's like, you know, a guy who can get bruised up. What does that mean, though? He doesn't (sighs) like to hunt? I mean, say it. it, Are you a guy that, does he not know how to fix a leak? You know? Yeah. She's weirdly general and not specific. Is he, do they have a a, a wood, uh, uh, do they have a... uh, an oven in which wood goes in that he needs to chop. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what it is. Here's the thing, Katie, you don't respect John. Wow. That's all there is to it. You I mean, don't they, respect these him. Two, I'll be honest. These two don't look like they're going to last. I think he, at this point it's, yeah. not, it's over. I think he likes it. He seems like a catch to me. You know? Um, and, and it's funny. He keeps going. He's a catch. All of the women who are very bland, all yeah. the sexy singles that are bland. The blondes. Those are the, well, not <laughs> even blondes because there's a couple of brunettes too that he's now dating every yeah. once in a while. And they all seem to love John. John is um, running through all the bland women yeah. on that show. All the white, all the white women. Yeah, the white bland um, women. And he and he is uh, he's running through them all. Um, He's not running through them all because he's not hooking up with them or even having anything romantic with them. He's just like talking to them like they're people. Every episode, we should say every episode, either the sexy singles choose one of the um, sexy singles never choose. Are you sure? Just the people in relationships, they pick the the sexy single oh. they want to go on a date with. Okay, so then every every episode that happens, and so far we've watched that happen four times, and John has picked four of the bland people. He really in the has house. picked very like white bread people. Um, and uh, so I mean, I don't think this this couple is gonna last because he John is also during these bonfire ceremonies is seeing a clipped out uh scene from Katie, and every single time it's been. Her her telling somebody that um, my current boyfriend John ain't shit, basically. It's so weird. And, Leave and, John, just Katie, break up with John. You yeah. do not respect him. It's okay. There's no way this this couple has sex. And yet, oh, I'm and, gonna say it. I don't think they can possibly have sex with the amount of just like she. How could she be attracted to him if she's constantly talking about how he's not a man? And yet, here's the thing. On the first episode. The each member of the couple got um, an opportunity to basically put a um, a necklace around one of the sexy singles of the same sex that was like a no date signal for their counterpart. Yeah, they can hang out with them in the house. They can talk to them at the villa, but they can't take them on a date. And they did not have to, but only a couple did. Only too. Katie and John. Um, Katie and John did this, right? Yeah. And the ones that they and and Katie clearly by by using this was like trying to defend her turf in a way. Yeah. 
So it seemed as though she was like, I'm not willing to let John fall for somebody that he's going to like immediately. She blocked a blonde. She blocked a blonde woman. <laughs> yeah. Catherine. And it was like, why even block somebody if you like you clearly don't like this why guy? Why are you with John? It, it, it's going to be interesting to see. Next up, we have Carl and Nicole. They met at the gym. They've been together for two and a half years. A fun, outgoing, and down-to-earth couple, Carl and Nicole are always up for an adventure. They are both passionate about fitness and met at the gym while Nicole was still in another relationship. After her previous relationship fizzled, Nicole and Carl began dating, and over two years later, they are trying to determine what is next for them. Both are starting to feel stagnant, but is it just that their honeymoon phase is over or are they getting bored of each other? On top of that, Nicole feels that Carl is her first true love, yet questions what real love even means. Will Nicole realize that she already has real love with Carl or will she let herself be stolen away by another man like before? So, yes, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Ashley, Carl is like 10 years older than Nicole. Yes, I don't know if it's that much, but there's an age difference for sure. And that is part of the issue that Nicole is having. And honestly, some of the men in the house are telling her, like, you don't haven't even experienced life. You don't even know who you are, little girl. Yeah, and so maybe you should hook up with me and find (laughs) out. Um, And and Nicole's like, maybe I should. Yeah, and Carl just seems to be in there having a good time. Carl also is probably the second closest to not really caring what his edits are like Carl seems just like uh, down for the ride and he's like fl- doing a lot of flirting but nothing inappropriate nothing inappropriate is happening he's having fun he seems very mature and level-headed like I yeah. feel like Carl's not gonna do anything but Nicole might uh, and also Carl and Nicole might be uh, if you kind of added their number up uh, uh, they might be the be- most attractive couple. Yeah, they're both very attractive, and they both they seem like the strongest couple out of these four. Hmm. Do I think that? I think I might think that as well. I think they just they seem to like have an understanding. There there seems to be a lot of mutual respect there. I feel like respect is huge on this show. Carl did see Nicole cry based on some lame guy's poem in the house, and there was a moment of him being like. <sighs> Why was she even crying? Yeah, uh, I don't he, really. And he was, and he literally looked at Mark Wahlberg and went, "I don't care about that at all, actually." Because yeah. he looked at this nerdy guy and was like, "That guy's not an issue for he me." He basically was like, "That's corny." Yeah, he's <laughs> like, that, "Oh, he's like, what?" That's she lame cried. As shit. That's, why'd she cry? That's weird. Anyway, I don't care about that. Yeah, <laughs> and kind of moved on. Mark Wahlberg was also um, clearly like manipulating that video material to make it look like the guy was just saying the poem to Nicole when he had said it to all four of yeah. uh, the gals. And this guy was one of the guys that was not. Featured on this show till episode three yeah glasses who are you what is your glasses deal? backwards hat he's a writer with an arm tattoo and he writes poetry um next up is by the way his poetry was so lame and like roses are red violets are blue style yeah it was it was like roses are red violets are blue i hope i leave this island with you and then the girls are like oh my god oh my god so I, and th- we did have a conversation when that happened where all these girls were sitting and watching these guys' talents and they were so lame and each one of them were like, oh, oh my God. And I just kind of looked at Ashley and I'm like, I think that's a survival mechanism that women have, um, you know, uh, that nature provides a woman to sort of trick a man into thinking that he's special. Because I think in the reverse, a man, you're not going to get a whole bunch of men who are going to sit there and watch women like spin a plate and go, oh my God god it just doesn't happen there's not a need for a man to make a woman feel like she's the most special person that no one else can do that and i'm not saying that's right or wrong but there is something there was something strange about that scene when like these guys were like i can make my eyes my eyelids flip and they're like whoa i think what it is is that men um make women feel like they're the most attractive so that's that role where it's like you are the most beautiful one here because worth is visual for women and then with women they're like look you can do stuff yeah like men are rewarded yeah for putting out the tiniest bit of effort and women are rewarded for their dna and it's a very it's it is illustrated on this show and the width of their hips as well dna baby dna baby next up mark is Wahlberg's on javen and shari um they met in high school they've been together for eight years a fiery 
passionate couple who truly see one another, another as best friends. Javen and Shari are embarking on this journey to prove they are really meant to be together. High school sweethearts, they believe they are soulmates, but Shari still can't get over the fact that Javen cheated in, high, in college. They are headed to Temptation Island in order to ensure that she can trust Javen again. Shari knows this experience will test their loyalty and love more than ever before. All the while, Javen would like Shari to experience dating other men since she's never dated anyone else besides him. Will Javen stray and cheat again? Or will he prove to Shari that he is a changed man? Folks, this relationship is, say it with me, doomed. (laughs) Uh, It is doomed and toxic. Boy, oh boy. It was hard watching this couple, especially that first app. The first episode, the couples were together a lot, and you got to see the eligible sexy bachelors walk in, and immediately Shari became, ooh, um, what what would you call her behavior? She was clearly reacting from a place of deep insecurity and she was intimidated by these women who were positioning themselves as attractive eligible bachelorettes and she was saying pretty undermining cutty uh cutty cutting and i would say catty even though i hate to use that word remarks about the other women Uh, honestly she came off to me as a horrible mess in in this and it It was was like and i was like oh boy and then you got to see there was so many scenes of like javen and shari like sitting in the corner where like the camera was just catching them and their mics were on yeah and it was javen just kind of like talking out of the side of his mouth being like shari look at me look at me shari are you okay like it's gonna be fine chill why aren't you speaking to me and then shari's like why would you do that why would you look at that person why would you do like it was like all this said yeah yeah he said to her Like, I feel sorry for y'all, like, looking at some of these bachelors. And he was right. The women have duds compared to the men. It seems like the men have a lot more to choose from. Are you kidding? What about old Drake? (laughs) There's a guy that looks like Drake if he was 65 years old in the house. The women don't have that much. And I feel like Javen was just making, like, an honest, obvious remark. And Shari was like, oh, what? Because you have gorgeous women and, and like you feel bad for me because all the women that you're going to sleep with are hotter than I am. And yeah, she just like loses it on him. And he's like, no, I wouldn't say that. No, uh, uh. I, I feel for this couple. I feel for both of them. I think the knee jerk reaction is to say that Shari's like unbalanced and like she yeah. needs to work on it, herself. It is knee jerk. I wanted to say that. But it, it's... I, I don't think it's it's not just her. I mean, this relationship just feels like the foundation is rotten. Bad. And honestly, after after uh, Shari's first bonfire ceremony and she saw what Javen was doing in the house that, that past night, honestly, what Javen was doing was like some girl was like into him and she was basically saying like, listen, like I clearly feel something between us and Javen like scooted his chair on the other side of the room. Javen's like running away from this he's girl. he's like, oh yeah, cool, thanks. And yeah. then like ran out and went to the confessional and looked in the conf- into the interview in the camera and was like, I don't know what's going on right now. Did I just make a mistake? Like, yeah, what mistake? You did nothing. You, you ran nothing. away from a woman. But he's was- like, tr- he's like so shy and like he like. He's his- afraid. He is, he is shy based on Shar making him that way it seems like this is why people shouldn't stay together after one cheats it, ah! it is really bad no and, i mean i'm sure couples can make it work but this couple's not yikes. making it work and honestly as the days go on i didn't know what to think of javen uh, he he seemed like a pretty serious guy in his interviews when you saw them interacting on that first episode i'm like what is up with this and as the <laughs> days go on i'm like oh wait javen's like a real funny guy he's so funny he, when he's not with shari he's like great yeah and some of the things he says in his interviews are just like like pause and rewind yeah he's really <laughs> funny and and for a second I, I looked at ashley i'm like hey, are we supposed to be laughing at him or is there something wrong with this guy because i it was thrown by the way yeah. he's acting then i realized oh what has changed he hasn't been with shari in two days yeah. like he's opening up he's, he's showing himself. his he, showing his personality he's doing bits in the house he's having a good time the women all think he is a riot they love him yeah and it's like and he also has like the most fun a uh, sense of style as well like he's like yeah putting it to putting those fits together like nobody else in the house i'd say he's my favorite he's really good i yeah. really i think he might be my favorite as well and shari's my least favorite so shari's like my least favorite i would say out of the men javen's my favorite and then i like john 
Um, and then I like Carl. Evan is a hard last. I find Evan to be, I don't, I, something about his, his, I hate to judge people by the way they look, but his personality combined with his face is, makes me want to slap him. And you're talking Evan right now? Evan, Evan's yeah. like six foot six and ripped. Yeah. Too. I just find. I think he might be a good looking guy. You're just turned off by that personality. I think his personality has made him dopey to me. Mm. And then out of the girls, um, Casey is my number one. I would say for sure. And then I think Nicole and then oh, it's it's a tie between Katie and Shari. Mm-hmm. Katie, I'm just like, I can't figure Katie out. Her hang up on John's masculinity thing is grating. It's weird. There's some deep seated issues with all these folks on your show. But I love this show. I hope we get more of Shari. I hope Shari becomes less of a villain. Yeah. You know what? Let's stop this podcast right now. Let's watch another episode. I'm so into that. All right, folks. We're going to wrap it up here. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Don't forget that on uh, Thursday, you'll have another recap of uh, Wednesday's episode of the Challenge War of the Worlds. We've been recapping that all season long. So if you haven't listened to those yet, well, you better catch up because it is a fiery season. If um, you would like to contact us and, I don't know, recommend a show for us to watch because that's why we watch Temptation Island. Uh, please do that by emailing us at realityblowspodcast at gmail.com. You can do it by DMing us on Twitter at realityblowspod. If you want to just talk to Ashley, follow her at Ashley B. Roberts. And if you'd like to follow me, well, you're going to have to do that on the old Instagram by searching my name, Nick Maritato, at Nick Maritato, M-A-R-I-T-A-T-O. Folks, that has been the show. Thank you so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next time. Goodbye. Bye.